0: I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the world wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if
1: you
2: played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me, lead. Golly! they tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! (laughs) I can! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. My co host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter, and Mr. Tony Dwyer at CommissionerMR. On top of us, there are a ton of other great podcasts on this network, including Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from series XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of other great podcasts, as I mentioned. You can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. On today's podcast, as I mentioned, Matt Fox and Tony Dwyer will be joining me we're gonna do just a, a little bit of a fun episode here. Not a, not a lot to talk about. I already put out some of the stuff for the Thursday night game yesterday on Twitter. So we're gonna get Matt's prediction on the Broncos game this Sunday. Gonna to get Tony to talk about his Indianapolis Colts. Gonna get some updates on the movie league and the vampire leagues that Matt and Tony are in. And then we're gonna talk about some of the most disappointing and surprising players on the season and some bold predictions for Sunday. And we've got the uh, the Thursday crew back together. Tony is back with us, and obviously we have Mr. Matthew Fox as well. Matt, Tony, how you guys doing today? How your week's been going?
0: Doing great. Yep. I've had an awesome week. Looking forward to a really exciting football game tonight.
2: <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's one of us that thinks that, I guess. Well, <laughs> you know,
1: Fox, uh, they. The first part of the season, Thursday Night football's on NFL Network. They pick up on Fox when the new fall season starts, so it's been two weeks. In their first two weeks, arguably, they've gotten blockbuster matchups and games. The Eagles-Packers game was great, went down to the end. The Rams-Seahawks great, went down to the end. So they're due for a dud, uh, and I would imagine that's what they're going to get tonight. It's hard to work yourself up uh, to any level of excitement unless Patriot uh, DNA runs through your blood.
2: Yeah, you mean like that Monday night game we just got? I can't remember who. San Francisco played a JV team this week, didn't they? I can't, I can't remember exactly who they played, but it was, uh, it was not a pretty game.
1: Yeah, the difference being you actually thought that was going to be a good game when you started.
0: Yeah, you did. And don't, don't call them the JV team.
2: I know. That's an insult to JV teams everywhere you're at. Right, I do apologize. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been a rough couple of days. I don't even drink, and I've been drinking under the table every day so far this week. It's been bad. Not be, it's not been fun being a Browns fan here lately. All right, we uh, I mentioned it in the intro though. Uh, we're we're not here to talk about my favorite team in the Cleveland Browns. We are going to talk about your guys' favorite teams. We're just a little bit, ha- or we're just past the quarter part in the season. I'm going to start with Tony first because you haven't been here the, the last week. Colts are obviously on a bye this week, but I just want to get your thoughts on them. They've been surprisingly good, although I will toot my own horn here just a little bit. I did expect them to still be good with Brissette and had them right there as a, as a team competing for the wild card. So, what are your thoughts so far on what the Colts have done this season?
0: Well, the Colts—it's pretty exciting, really. I—I I think in the first, it was my first podcast with you. That was right after the retirement of Andrew Luck. And my, the big ringing thought that I had was if our backup head coach and our backup quarterback can get together and, and pull off a season, then it's wheels up for the Colts offense because it's, ex- it's, it's coming out exactly that way. From general management to the coaching staff to the players on the field, they're all executing the exact same plan run the ball first, check down, get the first down. And Jacoby has shown recently he did it. um, I'm thinking of one play in Kansas City game where he threw deep, deep into double coverage. And the call ended up being called pass interference. And it was a bad, I mean, it was probably not the best place to put that ball in the first place. But he's capable of stretching the field when he needs to. He's checking the ball down to get our first downs. And he held Kansas City to 20 two and like a half minutes of total offense yeah if that can continue then it's wheels up for the Colts they're gonna pick up right where they left off and I hate to say it Andrew Luck but we're gonna be all right without you
2: yeah well I mean it's even more interesting you go back to uh, that first game who who did they play in that first game I can't remember um who who they have in week I mean- one in week one, yeah.
0: Um, let's take a look here. To, Chargers, one. right? Was it Chargers? Yep, Chargers. Okay, it was so at the Chargers. Yeah.
2: I mean, uh, what was it? In uh, Venitary missed three field goals or two field goals in that game, correct? If I, bringing, if I remember correctly. Are you,
0: are you bringing this up because it's one of those misery loves company things?
2: No, no, no. I'm saying that because like, has he made those? They they'd be three and two right now, right? So I mean, they'd be even exactly right. better, and that that's just that was my whole point is that they could almost be sitting right there. I mean, right there at the top of the division had that happen. No, I love Adam Vinatieri. I, I, I was worried he was going to retire. Honestly, I, I'm glad that he didn't. Um, yeah, I'm 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 really surprised at how good they've been go they've been doing. I mean, I'm not the biggest Marlon Mack fan, but I do love T.Y. Hilton. Uh, obviously, love Paris Campbell from Ohio State. Wish I we wish we could see more of him. I know he's dealing with the abdominal issue, uh, but I, I feel like the Colts are gonna have a a good year. How are you feeling with them coming out of the bye and kind of looking forward through their schedule? What do you think they've got? You think they've got what it takes to be a wild card team?
0: I'm looking ahead, and we've got the Texans on the 20th. So Colts are on by this week. Texans are playing the Chiefs. Um, it goes Texans, Broncos, Steelers, Dolphins, Jaguars, Texans. And then we go on to Titans, Buccaneers. I mean, there's they're going to win most of those games, I think. Yeah. Broncos are beatable. Steelers are dilapidated with injuries. Not what we expected. Originally, I had a loss for that game, but at this point, the Colts can win that game. Dolphins are a no-brainer. Jacksonville's a 50-50 toss-up, and historically, um, after Jacksonville, there's the Texans game. Historically, the Colts and the Texans split those, so one of those is a win, and one of them's a loss. Yeah, Colts are a wild-card team, probably worst-case scenario.
2: Yeah. I-, I don't disagree with you. I'm liking what I'm seeing out of them, and, and I'm glad... Uh- in a lot of dynasty leagues, I was able to uh, grab Jacoby Brissett. I actually the only reason I grabbed him, I grabbed him before the Andrew Luck news. I grabbed him because I thought there was a chance he could be a starter next year. As I assumed, Indianapolis wouldn't hold on to him to be Andrew Luck's backup, and then obviously everything happened, and I just ended up lucking into huh, get it uh, the nah. the Indianapolis Colts starter there. So I- I've loved what I've seen out of him so far. I can't imagine what it's like to be a fan of a winning team because me and Matt. Neither of us are, so it must be—it's great to have at least one winning team on this podcast right now.
0: Oh, I'm sorry,
2: guys. That's all right. You know, we're happy for you. I know, Matt—in my opinion, the Broncos look better than the Browns as well. So, Matt, tell us what you think of the Browns this weekend.
1: The Broncos, you mean?
2: Yeah, the Broncos. See, I just—I can't get the Browns off my mind. It's sad. Yes, the Broncos, though.
1: I thought you were just looking for somebody to— pump you up a little bit no i know obviously, you're gonna tell you're me they're down.
2: they're gonna get blown out by the seahawks it's gonna be like another 31 to 3 game probably so
1: they're at home they shouldn't get blown out
2: no you're right don't um, put up 10 points i apologize
1: denver's interesting you know a lot of people uh including my least favorite announcer currently working tony romo <laughs> uh we're talking about how denver you know could have been two and two going into the last game I suppose that's true. They had two like uh, home games that probably took 25 years off my life um, to start the season, which was rough. And I actually uh, had pretty much chalked last week up to being a loss because I thought the Chargers were a better team. Um, they still probably could be a better team, but um, Denver has looked good the past couple of weeks. <coughs> I haven't seen them play for good quarters, um, which I would like to see. They did finally get turnovers last week. They got sacks the last couple of weeks. They kind of turned that around. Uh, I think they're doing some better things on offense. Tennessee is another really weird team. I mean, they had a soul-crushing victory over your team in week one. They destroyed Atlanta in week three. But in between, they've kind of... Been eh, or I guess they beat Atlanta Week Four. They've been kind of eh, uh, but I think they've lost their games at, at home. So maybe they're just like a fantastic road team. Mariota's a tough one to figure out. Um, Denver against uh, Jacksonville didn't look like they could block a fart in a stiff breeze uh, when it came to stopping the run. And last week they were just all over Melvin Gordon um, between Week Four and Five. Big Fangio made a couple of changes, including a starting player on the defensive line and a starter at middle linebacker. They actually, our former starting defenseman, Adam Gotzes, was a game day healthy scratch in week five. And I'm wondering if that made a little bit of a schematic difference. You know, Derrick Henry's not my favorite player. I'm, yeah. I, I hate to say it because um, I don't know if my heart can take it, but I'm, I'm sort of back on the bandwagon for this. Uh, this week Tennessee has a a decent defense and they're not a bad team but Denver usually plays pretty well at home I feel like they could have and possibly should have won their two home games they've got to win one at home at some point Um, so I'm hoping they can get on the winning track this week
2: yeah I I definitely think it's going to be an interesting game again as someone who who watched the Titans just completely blow out the Browns in week one I do think they're getting um Underrated a little bit. That defense is fairly good. The offense is eh, as you were kind of saying there with Marcus Mariota. I, I do think that could be a very interesting uh, – they play in the the late window, right, or they play early?
1: Yeah, 220 gotcha. or 205, something like that.
2: Gotcha, yeah. So that could be one of the better ones. I mean, let me see. I got just here oh, – I mean, they'll probably be overshadowed by the 49ers-Rams game. I think that's probably what a lot of people will be turning into. I don't. I can't imagine anybody's watching Falcons, Cardinals, Cowboys, Jets – so, yeah, I'll be flipping forward. I don't know.
1: Cowboys Jets could be awfully compelling. Those jets are a good squad.
2: I mean, the Cowboys do suck, <laughs> as as we all know, or at least that's my opinion of it, So <laughs> Or well, no, not the not the. I shouldn't say the Cowboys. I love Zeke. Amari Cooper sucks. Uh, I'm I'm just kidding. I, I did try to uh, give him uh, an apology if going, the other day, if but you're
1: gonna throw him under the bu- bus. I think you have to say it correctly he's like wide receiver three amari cooper
2: right now he is yes but we still have a whole season left to play and that's what i keep trying to tell all these amari cooper truthers it's only five weeks just watch i'll be right at the end of the season at least i hope because i made too many bets that he won't finish in the top 10 so i really need that i need him to start sucking fairly quickly now all right, so let's move on to some of the other stuff we want to talk about today, Matt. I want to get—we haven't had a chance to do an update on the movie league stuff here lately, so give us kind of a rundown on what's been going on in the movie leagues. What what are the movies coming up to look forward to, and how's all that shaking out?
1: So, fantasy movie league started its uh, fall season um, at the beginning of September. The weekend that uh, it chapter two opened. Uh, and I've been doing pretty well. I, I write the weekly column. Um, I put I usually post links if you want to follow along. I've been doing pretty well um, at hedging and picking good value, just not quite at that perfect cineplex. But I was looking uh, at all the uh, leagues that I'm a part of. Um, doing doing pretty well um, in the entire fall season showdown for everybody who is on fantasy movie league i'm number 116 and there's several thousand people so i felt okay about that it looks like i'm 14th overall in the friends of matthew berry group which has quite a few people uh and number one number one in the fantasy life app um wow. group which i thought was funny uh, funny
0: that's awesome yeah
1: i'm no, i'm number one in the rich eisen show group apparently too or first ranking, which I thought was interesting. Um, so last week, I, I had hedged on um, Joker's. Joker was in daily scoring. I hedged on Sunday being the best value. I thought it could outpace its projection and it had a lower cost so you could sling it across three screens. And it was a it was a dicey weekend because they had a huge opening on Friday mm-hmm. and didn't do very well on Saturday. And I thought, well, I, I guessed wrong. But no, nope, Sunday blew it out apparently people were not that excited to watch dallas and green bay on sunday afternoon <laughs> and they decided to roll out and watch some comic book movies and that ended up being the best value so uh, i was pretty excited about that that was a, a pretty strong finish last week i was just a shade off of perfect cineplex i picked one screen different than the perfect cineplex wow. um, it's kind of like when you're the second highest score in uh, fantasy in a week, but you're playing the highest score. That's pretty much how it felt. Uh, but this week, there's three new movies that open up. Um, October is an interesting movie cause, or an interesting month because you start getting some more award contenders, not as many um, huge blockbusters, but there'll be a few blockbusters rolling out as we go through uh, into November uh, and then into December. And so the fall season's ongoing now wraps up uh, at the end of November, so I'm, I'm about halfway through. I think uh, it's usually 13 weeks. I'm about halfway through, and uh, I'm pretty excited about where I'm at. Hopefully, I'll get a perfect Cineplex one of these
2: weeks. So, how 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 do you get a perfect Cineplex?
1: You maximize the dollar value. Of your, uh, so you have a movie theater that has eight screens. You have a thousand fantasy movie league bucks. It's kind of like DFS uh, in that you have that thousand that you can spend on any combination of eight movies. Uh, The difference between fantasy sports DFS and movies is you can book the same movie on multiple on more than once. So I could, you know, if I wanted Joker, I could put it. If I had enough money, I could take two of them so that I get. And you get uh, the box office dollars that that movie makes. The best performer each week is the one that has the highest return on investment. So the greatest box office dollars per Fantasy Movie League dollar you spent to put it on your screen. That's Last week it was the Sunday Sunday showing of Joker was the best value because it was a daily scoring thing. Uh, So to get the perfect cineplex you have to maximize... Your return on investment, and then you get a five million dollar bonus um, that boosts your score up. And for the season long total, you're just cal- it's just keeping track of how much money you made every week. So there's a, a way you can win a week, and then a way you win a season is to have the most points or the most dollars overall. So the places where I'm in first place, I've done very well every week not the best any week but that's enough to keep me up at the top
2: all right tony uh both you and matt are in vampire leagues which i I have not had a chance to participate in but it sounds like a lot of fun we've kind of discussed a little bit here and there in our little group chat Uh, why don't you two talk about the vampire leagues and how it's been working out for you guys and again explain to the the listeners how that stuff works
0: Oh, my gosh. Vampire Leagues are wonderful. <laughs> is that funny or is that a corny joke?
2: No it's, it's probably, I, I it's just, no, it's I think it's perfect. No, it's not
0: funny. It's corny. I do that in it's, – well, it's not funny, but it's funny to me when every <laughs> time I win in the Vampire League, I change all, all the Ws to these and tell them I'm taking their players. It's hilarious to me um, besides the fact – so Vampire League is pretty simple. Uh, there's a vampire. That person does not draft. Everybody else in the league gets the draft normally, and then the vampire gets everything that's left over. So they're basically working off of free agents, and that's it. Um, Now, the the catch is if the vampire ever beats a team that drafts, the vampire gets to force a trade among that team. It has to be like positions, so running back for running back or wide receiver for wide receiver. I can't give you a kicker for your quarterback. That's not possible. Gotcha. Um, Like positions, and they have to be starters. That's the only rule. And so that's how it begins. Week one, I got trashed, obviously. Week two, things got – I got really lucky. And, Fox, we'll hear about yours soon, I hope. Um, yeah. I, won, I won in week two and picked up Devontae Adams. In week three, Devontae Adams was playing. That was the week he blew up. Picked up Zeke Elliott. Wow. I mean, in week – Week four, without Devontae Adams, I still managed to win and grab Dalvin Cook. So now my Vampire League is starting on a weekly basis. My starters are going to be Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, and I've got uh, Darren Waller on bye this week. So I'm starting those four every week at least.
1: Very nice. Yeah, so... I'm in um, two Vampire Leagues, one that's second year and one that I picked up this year. I'm the Vampire in both. The first one, uh, we started last year a Vampire Dynasty League, which was a little bit different um, because it follows traditional dynasty in that you keep your players. Um, I had the same uh, thing. I was the Vampire last year, and because I couldn't climb out of last place, couldn't win any games, I am repeating um, but you can only be at a max of two years, and it doesn't really matter because it's been, I've been much better this year. Um, last year, I won twice. The first time was in week two, and that was when I still had hope Le'Veon Bell was going to come back. And because it's dynasty, it does have to be position for position, but we allow you to take uh, from either starter or bench. So I pulled Bell because I thought he was going to come back last year, and right. you can imagine how well that worked out. So basically— <laughs> I pulled him for somebody, I can't even remember. It might have been Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber would have been a better play for me (laughs) week to week. Um, I lucked out last year in that I had scooped up Austin Eckler, and I had used all of my FAB budget on Philip Lindsay, and I had also picked up Dak Prescott. So if you're listening to that, you're putting together that I started with a little better team this year. I also um, last year won a second game in right around week six, and took A.J. Green, who promptly got injured and lost for the season the next game. Oh, so wow. that's why my two vampire weeks, I still... I Ever since I've had Green as the vampire, I still have him, obviously, because it's Dynasty. He has not played for me. He has not played a full game for me. It's wow. um, Last year, that was... I, you know, on paper they were two really decent picks, but it really backfired. This year in the off season, somebody uh, dropped Austin Hooper, so I picked him up on my vampire team, and somebody dropped uh, Larry Fitzgerald, so I picked him up. I had taken Tyler Lockett last year,
0: so I wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa! Somebody dropped Larry Fitzgerald in a dynasty league?
1: Yes, and oh Austin my God. Hooper. Good yeah. for you. Somebody <laughs> dropped Austin Hooper, said they needed a better tight end. I picked him up wow. immediately because I always have the top waiver claim, and I was like, um, you guys suck. So I started week one with Dak, Le'Veon Bell, Austin Eckler, Philip Lindsay, Tyler Lockett, Larry Fitzgerald, and Austin Hooper in my starting lineup, and I hip-checked someone and took Saquon Barkley, um, huh. which hasn't worked out incredible for me yet. Uh, week two, I also won, and because I was playing a diehard Eagles fan, I took Carson Wentz just because and gave them <laughs> Mitch Trubisky.
2: <laughs>
1: week three, I also won, and that's where I made a choice of the heart over the head that was a mistake and took Juju Smith-Schuster. I probably, <laughs> I should have taken Michael Thomas, um, but I took Juju because I like him. And because I thought my team was unstoppable. And then, of course, we know what happened to Saquon Barkley. And um, Juju hasn't been what I hoped. And Le'Veon Bell went on by. And Dak Prescott came back to earth. And Melvin Gordon returned. So I still have a decent team. But I've lost the last two weeks. I was really close. um, But no cigar this week. In that league, I have to declare in advance who I'm going after. This week, I'm going for Christian McCaffrey. And right now, by projection, I am projected... Four, I think, four points ahead of this team. So that guy is really nervous because Christian McCaffrey is essentially his only good player, uh, and he already knows he's going to get Matt Breida back. Um, so I don't think he's super pumped about that. I'm starting <laughs> Dak, Le'Veon Bell, Philip Lindsay, Tyler Lockett, Larry Fitzgerald, Austin Hooper, and Eckler. Uh, so I'm hoping, uh, the other one's a redraft league that I joined and by happenstance, I ended up being the vampire and I was like, okay, well, at least I know how it works. The first three weeks, uh, did not go that great for me. I was, I was scooping good guys off the waiver, but I was struggling about who to play. Um, you know, and I was just kind of missing. I finally hit in week four and one and was able to take DeAndre Hopkins, um, and I can't. I traded John Ross for DeAndre Hopkins,
0: so that guy is super pissed, right? I gave John Ross. Gallop, I gave Gallup for Cook, and I loved it. Wow. I felt great about that.
1: Well, John Ross was not injured at the time that I made that trade. Uh, to be fair, because I know I try never to trade an injured player. In this redraft league, the rule they have is you have to trade people that are in starting
0: lineups. Well, uh, and that's so, my. I want to. I want to interject again. I don't want to seem like I'm a monster. I had started Gallman. Yep. And and our rule is he has to be in your starting lineup, too. So I just went ahead and took advantage.
1: Yeah, last week I was two points away from winning, and I would have flipped Gallman for Ezekiel Elliott. I already told the guy. But going into Sunday Night Football, Jacoby Brissett did not have a, an 11-point game, and that's what I needed to win. Ugh. So that was brutal. But uh, week, week uh, four... I did win, and I was able to take to flip Josh Gordon for Michael Thomas. So now I have DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and I have Terry McLaren because I had a high waiver claim. Mm-hmm. So those guys are out there. Will Disley is my tight end. It's not bad. Quarterback has been a little bit of a dice roll. Kirk Cousins had been left on the wire. I was super pumped about that until Kirk Cousins played a game, and then I decided I needed to go elsewhere. This week I'm rolling Gardner Minshew. Um, I also have – Set, but he's on a bye. and I have Daniel Jones, but that seems uh, like a really bad plan. So um, I also I picked up Chase Edmonds with a waiver pickup this week. I'm waiting to see if David Johnson ends up missing. I hate to root against somebody, but that would really that would really help me out. Uh, so this week, running back is where I suck. Um, unfortunately, they're just I have Devin Singletary. But obviously he's been injured a lot and then on a bye. And I have Frank Gore, who's at least been steady, but he's on a bye too. So this week I'm playing Minshew, LaShawn McCoy, Chris Thompson, Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Disley, McLaren. And then this league has uh, defense and kicker. So I have the Titans, defense, and uh, Chris Boswell. Nice.
2: Very nice. Well, so you were mentioning earlier, uh, how you got Saquon and Juju. So I'm going to use that to segue into my trade because we were talking just off air a little bit ago about Saquon Barkley and people trying to possibly buy low on him, um, due to his ankle injury, which he may come back sooner than we expected. A lot of people thought he might come out, be out the whole season, not come back till their bye week. There's talks he might be back soon. The reason I bring up Juju, Tony, is I I said that I made a trade for Saquon Barkley. Uh, that might surprise you. So I'm in a 16 team dynasty league that is very IDP heavy in the fact that we start three defensive linemen, three back, three linebackers and three defensive backs, as well as three wide receivers, two running backs, tight end and a quarterback and kicker. No, no team defenses, no flex spot. My wide receiver core to start off the year was fairly loaded. I had Odell, Juju, Godwin, Josh Gordon, um, a couple other players that weren't as big. I traded Juju and Chris Carson for Saquon Barkley. That was the trade that I made. Whoa!
1: Yeah, yeah, that seems pretty good. Yeah, it seems like especially a good for goal. Dynasty. I can't believe. I mean, I like Juju Smith-Schuster, but uh, you know, Saquon has been the number one ranked Dynasty player. Uh, throughout the throughout the year, and then 16 team running back seems like could be a much greater premium than wide receiver.
2: Yeah. So here's here's my big problem with that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna finish that up so we can get into the the talk that you wanted to do, Tony. Is that uh I, I did it because I also had um gosh who do I else have a running back? I had Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, so I had the the Broncos backfield locked up. I also had. My goodness, I'm losing. I drafted Miles Sanders, um, in the draft this year because I had, I took over this team and it was not very good. So I had a couple high picks. I took him. I have Devin Singletary as well, Naheem Hines, and then I just picked up Mark Walton. My, my problem was I then ended up doing a three team trade. That ended up getting me DJ Chark back, Sterling Shepard back, but I lost Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman and Matt Ryan to get a top-back linebacker, and then I got Jacoby Brissett, which is another reason why I'll be rooting for Jacoby Brissett all season long, but it really kind of killed my running back depth because now I without Saquon, I'm down to Naheem Hines, Sanders, Singletary, and Walton. But my team is not really built for this year. But I did love, like I said, the fact that I was able to give up Juju and Chris Carson to get, in my opinion, the best running back in the game in a 16-team league. So you were talking about um, possibly trading for or not trading for Barkley because you own him. What are your thoughts on him and possibly selling him or trying to buy him in this limited buy window that we have?
0: It's a hard thing for me to wrap my mind around because with every other player in the game, it's. I don't know how to say. It's like a. It's a stock market for every player, right? And yeah. you buy low and you sell high and you move and you and hopefully you end up with a greater value portfolio than that person has. But with Saquon Barkley, it, it gets really difficult to put a value on him. I've got a standing offer right now. I've got an O and five team. I hate to admit that, but it's a super flex team. I'm not as well depth and I'm not as well versed. In Superflex, I guess, as some others, I am not a big on quarterbacks, and to my demise. As a result, some things got moved around for me. I've got Saquon Barkley, 0-5 team. My other running backs are Chris Carson, Carrion Johnson, and David Montgomery. Okay. But I'm looking at an 0-5 team, and I'm thinking, well, what, what business do I have owning Saquon Barkley? I'm not going to win. I can't win – I can't win the whole thing with just Saquon Barkley. Right. Um, So do you cash in? But then the question is, what's enough? Right now, I've got a standing offer for four first-round picks. It it came across at like 9 o'clock this morning, and I just let it sit there because four first-round picks is a lot. Yeah. And I'm just trying to figure out where where is the value? How does the stock market work with Saquon Barkley? What would you guys do? I guess if you if you were offered four first-round picks on a winless team, what would you guys do? Go.
2: I'll let you go first, Matt. I know how I'm going to answer it, so if you want, I can go first.
1: I I wouldn't take it. I mean, it seems great and seems like a lot right now, but I mean, maybe when we get closer to the draft and you have a sense of where some of these players are going to come out and where they're going to be um, – you know, I might be more inclined to take it, but right now you're just hoping that one of those four picks is ends up being a player that can produce as much as Saquon Barkley can uh, when he's in there. And you know, one of the reasons we'll talk about it a little later, I have him on our disappointing list, is he wasn't that dynamic in the first couple of games, probably because their offense in general sucked so much. Uh, with Daniel Jones coming in, you've seen things pick up. They're starting to get passing pieces back. I know what he did last year. I would like to see what he can do in this offense with Daniel Jones, with some people picking up. Um, you know, I think this is probably the worst time to try to
0: trade him, His his value's got to be depressed. Well, and then my my only question to that is, we still haven't. I mean, we still can't answer the question if it's not for first round picks what is it? Is it five? Is it four and Mike Evans? I mean, what? where is like, everybody says they're getting offers for Saquon, but I feel like we've got a responsibility. I can't figure it out. So I'm not like throwing accountability to you guys. I don't know the answer to this question. Where is the line where we say, okay, yeah, sell Saquon Barkley and we feel good about it forever.
2: So for me, if you're selling Saquon Barkley, you have to get something that's going to Yes, immediately is not the word I want to use. It's going to improve your team in the long run because in my opinion, Saquon Barkley is the best asset in Dynasty football altogether right now. He is by far, like you could make an argument, I would say for three or four wide receivers possibly being the number one, maybe even more. I mean, outside of Christian McCaffrey, you cannot make an argument for anybody else at the top of the running back class outside of Saquon Barkley. It's those two. For me, on the trade that you got... If I could get him to possibly take a pick out or even add a serviceable running back, I would take it with you being 0-5. But I am also different than a lot of other people because I love college football. I watch it all all day Saturday. I study these players all the time. And just from my opinion now, again, there's no way for me to know this, and and we know that a lot of people are high on draft classes every single year. Not every player is going to hit. There is easily eight running backs that I would give a first-round grade and 15 wide receivers. So the more picks that I could get in this class, I feel could severely— boost your team, not just in depth, but in skill. Now, yes, it does suck giving up Saquon Barkley because the one thing I'll agree with what Matt said is you're hoping that one of those players is going to bring back Saquon's value, and the chances are they're probably not because Saquon is a transcendent talent. I know it feels like we say that every single year with the new running back coming out, but Saquon Barkley is it for me. I don't, and there's nobody in this class, in my opinion, that's going to be Saquon Barkley. So you are giving up some of that.
0: To be fair, the last time we said that, was Todd Gurley and that was true I mean uh
2: yeah I mean I said it for Zeke and I don't know if maybe that was some of my my Ohio State homerism in there but I, I think Zeke's phenomenal i I think he gets underrated in the passing game uh, I mean me and Matt actually had a full discussion about that the other day with with him and CMC so but yeah I mean regardless yes I get I get what you're saying so you're looking at what was what was Gurley five years ago that he came out four years ago now four or five right. years ago. So and yeah. I'm not,
0: and I'm not saying that Zeke is not a transcendent talent. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that Barkley had the same hype that Gurley had. Yeah, yeah. That's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah, yeah. I got you. So that, but that's where I would lean with it. Now, if you were sitting here saying that you were like a a three and two team or a two and three team. I probably wouldn't do the deal because you, you obviously have the pieces there. But if you're 0 and 5, and again, I, I don't know your full team. So I don't know if it's something where you're really contending. It's just because, I mean, I'll, I'll just use it this way. Uh, in my main dynasty league, I'm one in four right now and I have Baker Mayfield, Odell, Hopkins, Adams, Saquon, Zeke, Chubb, Kittle. Th- that's my starters right there. And I'm one in four because yeah, those guys have yeah. just been disappointing so far this season. Now I think they'll turn it around. So I'm not panicking. But right now, if you're looking at it and you're 0 and 5 and you don't have, you know, like a, a core to build around for me. I am someone who would take the picks, and in, in all honesty, that's part of the reason why I traded for Saquon in the trade we were just talking about, because I wanted someone I could build around, and with those other trades that I made, I, I kind of lost my depth, but I also gained back three second-round picks and three first. so now I have six picks going into next year's draft, just kind of putting, I guess, my, my money where my mouth is, and what I was just saying, that I want to get as many picks as I can in this draft, because I do feel the depth is going to be incredible with, with the talent that looks like it's going to be coming out in this, in this 2020 class. Excellent. So, yeah, I don't know if that helps you any, like I said, if
0: well for, it does, I mean, but it, it doesn't, there's, I don't think there's an answer.
2: There like, isn't. The no, I agree with you it's, on that.
0: Yeah. I and mean, and I can say, I'm looking at this team that I've got here. Tyreek Hill has been sitting on the bench.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, Tyreek Hill comes back with carry on Johnson. Chris Carson, Saquon Barkley, all of a sudden I win four, five, six games in a row.
1: Yeah. See, I'd be more inclined to try and flip Tyree Kill for picks.
0: Well, that was offered too, but it was cheap. That's the problem, is that yeah. the Tyree Kill is significantly less. Um,
1: but with those running backs, if you get a couple of if you know, do you have your own twenty twenty picks?
0: And that's my other problem. I have uh, only a fair. second round pick.
2: Second round pick. Okay, so that's so it. let me Let me throw this out there to you. Maybe carry on after this week because I think he has a big game against the Packers. Give him one more big game, that's three games in a row. Maybe you can sell a little bit high on him. You have the running back depth. I mean, I'd rather trade Carson than Carrion, but I would think if Carrion goes out there and has a really good game against the Packers on Monday Night Football, you might be able to sell him a little bit higher than your other guys. That way you get to keep Saquon, you keep Tyreek Hill, so you have that stud running back and wide receiver. Yeah, it sucks to give that, that kind of second guy in your running back core, but if you get a decent package back, then you can build around those two as being your main pieces.
0: I like that, and, and I'm going to move in that direction, actually. With Chris Carson and Carrion Johnson available, I'll wait for one more carry-on Johnson explosion. They'll both be packaged together to a win-now team. I've got TJ Hawkinson sitting there just waiting to develop with Tyree Kill as an anchor and Saquon Barkley taking the running back spot. So I'll move Carson, carry-on Johnson, and I'll get all the picks in the world for him.
2: There you go. Sounds like a plan. I hope it works out for you. Hopefully that'll happen before next Thursday so we can talk about the the trade that you made. Uh, tony, Tony's tony got to get out of here soon, so I want to jump in and, and do some of these most disappointing and surprising players. And we'll start with you, Tony. We're just going to give a quarterback, one one at each position. So we'll start at quarterback. Tony, who is your most disappointing quarterback?
0: My most disappointing quarterback is Baker Mayfield, and by a mile, which I don't even want to – like I feel like it's disrespectful at this point with all the hate that he's gotten. Mm-hmm. Probably a perfectly fine, suitable quarterback. I I don't know enough about real life football to talk down about this man any more than anybody else ever has. But we were expecting a whole lot more, and I'll just leave it at that. It was, it's been bad.
2: It has. It sucks. Matt, who do you got?
1: Mine's uh, Cam Newton. Um, now I had some concerns that maybe he wasn't totally healthy coming into the season, made me nervous. Uh, but obviously he rolled out there and put up really two subpar games. Um, the second week in particular really hurt because there was a lot of build up that he was at home against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that was going to be a, a good one for him, just wasn't. Uh, and, you know, now he's out. We don't know when he might be coming back, so um, he's my quarterback on the list.
2: Uh and so uh, for me, I put Kurt cousins um I could have gone Baker, but Baker's my boy it's my boy, I know he listens we we're we're practically best friends, so i can't I can't dismirch or besmirch his good name on this good great podcast uh kurt for me i, I do think it's a lot though with uh, same with Baker's, we expected a lot more out of Kurt coming in you know you yeah, could really argue- did. You you could argue Stefan and Adam Thielen are right there with Odell and Jarvis. I would say Dalvin Cook is the better running back over Nick Chubb. He has a better defense around him. We really expected Kirk Cousins to kind of light it up, and he has done absolutely nothing, and this is come from someone who has Kirk in a lot of leagues. So I would say he's right there with Baker. I, I can see the Cam Newton thing as well. I know, Matt, I, I was higher on Cam and the Panthers, as you know, coming into the season, and he has definitely kind of let people down. I think a lot of him though comes from that rushing that he is not giving people which a lot of people expected him to give. What about your running back, Tony?
0: Latavius Murray's been a huge bummer. Yeah. I was full steam ahead on the As a matter of fact, I'm new I'm new to the whole analyst gig. I'm new to Twitter, I'm new to podcasting. I'm new to all of it. And one of the first players that I latched on to was Latavius Murray. I fully I still believe that he can become exactly what mark ingram was but that's not what's happening it's just not and part of that we talked about this on the last time i was on the on the podcast that um, fox brought up when bridgewater came in from that point in the game on murray only had two two rushing attempts yeah if he's not getting the ball it doesn't matter like my argument that he's a good running back doesn't exist because he's not even getting the chance for me to make the argument so just total let down there i was off I was wrong. That's my first whiff, and I'm happy to own it. What
2: about you, Matt?
1: Uh, Mine's Saquon Barkley uh, just because he was obviously the consensus number one overall pick, and I don't think any of the five weeks uh, so far have you gotten uh, what you had hoped or needed out of him.
2: Yeah. Uh, for me, I was torn between Damian Williams and Drake. I'm going to go Williams because he was drafted a lot higher. Now, I know I, I don't know where you were on him, Tony. I know me and Matt were not necessarily high on him coming into the season. Uh, but a lot of people were, and they were taking him in the third and fourth round. Uh, some of it obviously due to injury, but I think a lot of it's going to be down to the, the just how crowded that backfield is as well with Darrell Williams and McCoy splitting time as well. So he he has definitely been my most disappointing running back. What about wide receiver? What, uh, who was your most disappointing? wide receiver
0: Tony oh my gosh I deleted it give me just a second Dante Pettis (laughs) is my most disappointing wide receiver for some reason I took it out of there I thought I was gonna have to be gone by now so I wanted you guys to be able to move on without my notes um I I, in a lot of redraft leagues I went super running back heavy this year and Dante Pettis was a wide receiver too for me I was banking on it and foolishly I mean there's no way around it that was Another whiff, another miss. Did he get two targets last week?
2: Yeah, I mean, he should have had a touchdown. He did. He should have had a touchdown. He dropped it.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't have Pettis' stats in front of me because I it's just so burned into my head that he has let me down that I don't even need the stats anymore <laughs> to justify it.
1: I don't even think he got a target the first week. It was well, no. That.
0: I mean, he wasn't targeted the first week, and they said it had nothing to do with injury or, or something like that. And then it was like a motivational thing for a while. And then now he's on the field and he's increasing his snap count, but he's still not being targeted and he's not a blocker. So, like, would it be better for me to be out there? Probably. I'm 5'10", 155 pounds, just so you know.
2: What about you, Matt?
1: Uh, I'm going with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, You know, we've seen him in the past. Seem to be uh, quarterback-proof, offense-proof, just putting up these monster numbers. And even though we've seen uh, Houston put up some some big games, uh, including last week when they put up 53 points, uh, we just have not seen uh, the big performances from Hopkins. He's been fine, and if you had drafted him as a wide receiver, too, you'd probably be all set. But uh, I'm guessing, based on where he was drafted, that was not where most people took him.
2: Yeah for me Dell, uh just right in with the Baker conversation we had earlier when, when he came over to the Browns everyone expected him to possibly fight for that number one wide receiver spot overall he has only finished as a top 10 wide receiver once so far this season and that was mostly in my opinion due to the the in a way lucky slant touchdown that he took to the house against the Jets uh, what about your tight end Tony before you get out of here who's your most disappointing tight end.
0: The Colts tight end group is somebody that I was turned off from, from the beginning. So to be fair, I'm going to say two tight ends. I'm going to say Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron, and that I'm personally not disappointed, but I know that a lot of people are. Um, at one point last offseason, I traded uh, Eric Ebron for Curtis Samuel in a second-round pick because the owner believed that Eric Ebron would step right in and be the touchdown leader for the Colts or the end zone threat that they need And I just knew, and deep in my gut, I knew that if both of these guys are on the field, they're going to just vulture each other. Um, And then you add into that the unforeseen. Obviously, Andrew Luck retires, and all of a sudden, a quarterback who loved the tight end position is replaced by Brissett, who is just as soon to check down to anybody else who's available. So I'm— I'm sad for those guys. That's very disappointing to see that there's not one, one of those tight ends that has, has stepped up because everybody who's caught up with Doyle or Ebron is just kind of caught at the back end of the tight end position there. And it's really hard to even stream that, that group.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, I know you got to get out of here real quick, Tony. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. Look forward to talking to you next week. Let everybody know again where they can follow you and find you on Twitter.
0: Yeah. I'd love, uh, love to have you follow me on twitter at commissioner mister and you can check my rankings at dynasty nerds um other than that that's all i got today
2: all right man we look forward to talking to you on thursday or next yeah, thursday thanks
0: for having me guys
2: all right with uh with with tony gone there we'll go ahead and finish up our last two real quick matt who is your most disappointing tight end
1: i'm gonna go with oj howard you know uh coming into the season there was a big three at tight end uh you know, with Kelsey and Kittle and uh, Ertz, and after that, there was a lot of jockeying about who should be four, who should be five. You know, who's the next guy after that? And a lot of people were really high on O.J. Howard, the talent, thinking he had an opportunity to step up. I was a little leery of that going in, just because we have not seen a tight end explode in an Aryan system, and it felt like the fact that they keep Cameron Brate and keep him in the mix. You know, just adds competition at the position. And uh, even I have been surprised at how little we've seen uh, from O.J. Howard. It's, you know, for all those people that grabbed him as tight end four, uh, reached a little bit to make sure they got him. You know, there's a couple games where he hasn't been even been targeted. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not getting touchdowns. He's not really uh, making big splashes with receptions or yarage. Uh It's going to be You know, a big hole. And, you know, especially people that have him in Dynasty, you don't want to cut bait because he's a young, talented player, but you also can't play him confidently any week. So it's kind of this no man's land for fantasy.
2: Yeah, I thought about putting him on there, but I was someone who was not high on him at all. As you you were saying with the the Arians offense, I did not think he was going to have a good year. Uh, But a guy that I did buy into because of the offensive scheme was Jared Cook. I thought him going over to New Orleans with Drew Brees and Sean Payton and everything he did in Oakland last year was just going to be phenomenal, Uh, be a top 10 tight end again this year, possibly top five, and he is obviously nowhere near that. We've seen one good game out of him, uh, and that was last year, where it seemed like they were trying to get him the ball just to prove that he's still, Uh, existed and could play on the football field so definitely disappointed in him and in all these shares of him that I have Uh, let's knock out our most surprising players so far this season who is your most surprising quarterback
1: I'm going with Gardner Minshew you know a a guy who not a lot was uh, made of him during the draft you know I went to Jacksonville but All the talk was about Nick Foles, and after one quarter of the NFL season, he kind of got thrown out there. You don't know what what to expect. and He's just been steady. He's been entertaining. Uh, He's made the Jags fun to watch. Um, So, you know, he's probably been the most pleasant surprise, I think, uh, at a position that's just been really rough this year.
2: Yeah, it's been funny. You know, I'm going to, you know, dive off here a little bit on a tangent. It's really funny to me because you go back just a couple years ago when we had all the injuries. I don't remember. I remember the first one to go down was Rodgers went down with the shoulder injury. You had a bunch of other quarterbacks go down that year, and everybody was talking about how the ratings were going down, and it was all because of the quarterbacks. since when they changed the rule that you can't put your body weight down on a quarterback when you're sacking them. Yet we've—I feel like we've seen the same amount, if not more, quarterback injuries this year. I mean, you have a ton of big-name quarterbacks out, and I agree with you. Minshew mania has been fantastic. You know, we've talked about it many times. I think there's a realistic shot he might have gotten Wally pipped. You guys don't know what that is? Old-school Yankee stuff. You get injured and lose your job to the player because they came in and played better. We we didn't really get to see that much of Nick Foles, so I do think he probably has a chance to come back and be the starter. But Minshew has been phenomenal. Uh, I picked Kyler Murray. Just because I was high on him coming out, I had him right behind Dwayne Haskins as the number two quarterback. For me in this, in this draft class, I think he's looked phenomenal. Really, we kind of saw the full thing last week. I know it was against a bad Bengals team, but what he can do on the ground with his legs. And we already know that he can throw the ball. You know, obviously he's a little bit smaller than Cam Newton, but I, I compared him to being that dangerous and, and the fact that he is more accurate than Cam and then what he can do with his legs kind of adds that that extra dynamic. And at the quarterback position, that's a big deal nowadays. You, you, you get those quarterbacks that can actually run the ball as well and get you those extra yards, possible rushing touchdowns. Why well, like Kirk Cousins was the top five quarterback for multiple years in Washington because he was getting you multiple rushing touchdowns every single year. Uh, I think that's a big game and part of the reason why those quarterbacks are so good. So it's Murray for me. Uh, who'd you have at running back?
1: I went with Austin Eckler. You know, uh, we all thought he would have an opportunity. I know you and I both thought Justin Jackson yeah. might end up being the better value in that backfield. I don't think anyone uh, thought that Austin Eckler would be uh, at the top of the heap among running backs uh, through five weeks. I think uh, when I was looking at ESPN standard PPR scoring, he's uh, running back two on the season right now. It just uh, has been phenomenal, his production. Even last week with Melvin Gordon taking most of the rushing. Uh, work just what he's doing in the passing um, is keeping him steady and keeping him involved. And if you had him, especially for where you drafted him, that has just been a huge boon to your team.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to steal Tony's and go with Leonard Fournette. I obviously love the Eckler call as well. We, we've talked about him now multiple times. I think even after, uh, week one, we were both like, can eh, can he really keep finishing up in the top five every single week? And he has outside of one. And again, even last week, he finished as a top five running back, splitting time with Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon actually getting more carries as we talked about. So I'm, I'm with you. Eckler has been awesome. And so is Leonard Fournette, a guy who has so far, Every game this season put up double-digit points. He's averaging 18.2 points a game right now. He's sitting at RB8. I didn't expect it out of him. I know uh, uh, the other co-host that I have on me, Friday's Dennis didn't. Dennis thought Fournette was going to have a really bad year, uh, so I don't remember where you stood on Fournette, but the fact that he's been out there doing everything he's been doing, not just running the ball but receiving as well, has really surprised me, and, and I'm happy for him because I, I do think that he is a main part of, of what keeps that Jacksonville offense going. Let's see here. who did you ha- or Who do you have as your most surprising <laughs> wide receiver?
1: I went with Chris Godwin here. Um, I thought he was going to have a good season. I thought he was poised to take a step up, really excited about what he was going to do in Arian's offense. Um, But even even myself going into the season, I think we all thought Mike Evans was probably still the better pick out of there and the higher pick. And, you know, Godwin – was getting picked, uh, you know. When I was doing drafts, fourth, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Yeah. Uh, he has been incredible. He looks like he has potential to be a top ten or maybe even a top five receiver. He's way more consistent and way more production than Evans. Um, so far, he's everything we had hoped and more. Uh, and I just think the return on investment again, you know, in fantasy when you have a first-round pick who's going off every week, that's not that surprising. That's what you're hoping is going right. to happen. That's kind of what you need is happening. But when you can find gold in those middle rounds that are carrying you week after week, that's where you can start to put up a big record and win some games.
2: Yeah, I love, obviously, the Chris Godwin calls. funny. funny. I, I know... If you were to go back and listen to the preseason stuff for me, um, I was in a way almost talking out of both sides of my mouth because I've never thought that my – I always say this and then it gets me in trouble because I say the same thing about Amari Cooper. Mike Evans is an elite NFL talent, but I've always kind of worried that he's not that good for fantasy or not as good as other people say he is. It's all because of volume, just like I say about Melvin Gordon. Like he's not a horrible running back, but his volume is what brings him the fantasy points and makes him a fantasy star. A lot like Mike Evans, and and that's what I was worried about coming in to this year. Was like I thought Mike Evans would dip. I thought OJ Howard would dip with Godwin coming on, but I also did not think Godwin was going to be a wide receiver one. I remember saying multiple times, like I guarantee he finishes right around that top. Wide receiver 2, right around 13, 14, 15, and he is making me look extremely wrong right now. He's sitting as wide receiver 1, so uh, mad props to him. I should have bought more into it. I know we've talked about many times that Bruce Arians has always made his slot wide receiver dominant in the NFL and in fantasy, so probably should have looked more into that, but, but I didn't necessarily believe that he'd do as good as he was. For me, I picked DJ Chark. As you were just saying, a guy that you can get phenomenal value for. I took Chark in a bunch of my leagues in the 16th round. like He was one of my last picks, and yet he is right up there right now as a top five wide receiver. I don't think that continues. I do think that he kind of comes down a little bit, but his connection with Minshew has been phenomenal. And and a lot of people want to talk about, well, it's just Minshew, but... Nick Foles was actually throwing his way as well in that first game before Nick Foles got knocked out. If you guys remember, he got knocked out on the touchdown pass to DJ Chark. I think DJ Chark is a better receiver than D.D. Westbrook, and I do think he's becoming the one in Jacksonville. So DJ Chark, for me, most surprising. I think he's going to end up finishing right around 13 this year. I don't think he finishes as a wide receiver one, but I would not be surprised if he finishes 13, 14, top of that wide receiver two tier. Uh, And then who'd you pick as your tight end?
1: I'm going to go back to my original choice, which is Austin Hooper. Uh, I am somebody who uh, never reaches on tight end. I just don't see the point. I, I, you know, I like to go for the other positions higher. Tight end always feels like a little bit of a gamble unless you're willing to pay up for one of those top guys. And um, you know, I think we've seen a lot of the guys we thought might be four, five, six, of struggle. Austin Hooper is a guy that was really overlooked that you could get really late in drafts and here we are five weeks into the season he's tight end one um it's been incredible he has a real connection with matt ryan that seems to be an offense that's gonna have to throw a lot and um he's making the most of it even when he's not getting touchdowns he's getting you a bunch of catches a bunch of yardage um and you know it's just been a set it and forget it tight end and when you when you can get that you know 9 10 11 12 round of a draft that is a real benefit
2: yeah, I mean, he, he's becoming, uh, the new Tony Gonzalez of that offense, you could almost say. Uh, for me, uh, I would say that he, the, the, the tight end that I picked is almost in the same category as Hooper, and that's Will Disley. I mean, last year he had two good games before he got injured. Everybody talked about him being a blocking tight end. I remember most people were higher on Nick Vanette coming into this year than Will Disley, and Nick Vanette got shipped out to Pittsburgh. Will Disley has a connection with Matt Ryan. He has looked fantastic, and as long as he stays healthy, I imagine he has a shot to finish right up there in the top five as well. He is, he is just the same as you said about Austin Hooper. For me, a set it and forget it tight end. Uh, and in and, and a really good offense as well in Seattle, so that that is my most surprising tight end so far. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on and, and sticking with me here. Um, obviously, we just we Tony just left, and we can't, I can't wait to talk both of you guys again on Thursday. Hope you have a good fantasy weekend. The gods grant you all the wins since they decided to let you beat me this past weekend. I guess that doesn't matter anymore in, the fan, in, the, in our FLA league. You can win now. <laughs> I was hoping you would lose this past week. Uh, but I wish you all the best of luck this weekend. And I hope that your Broncos pull it out and we will talk again on Monday.
1: Yeah, hopefully uh, when we talk on Monday, both of us are coming off wins for our team. It'll make it a little cheerier.
2: I mean, I'm just going to be honest, if, if the Browns lose to Seattle, there won't be a podcast Monday, because there will be many a broken things in my house, and my <laughs> wife will probably have kicked me out at that point, so. <laughs> and I'm, only, and I'm uh, only semi-joking about that as well, I, I take that stuff way too seriously, but I do hope as well that we are both coming into Monday's podcast on wins. Yeah, I think it's possible, I think it's possible. Yeah, I do too. I don't want to be all negative, Nelly. Here, I actually do think the Browns have a good chance. That that Seattle Seahawks defense is beatable. Uh, I mean, we saw it. We saw it against. Uh, my goodness, why did that against the Ravens? They they really. It wasn't a yeah. bad game against the Rams, but they really kind of came out after after that loss to the Rams and put it together. I'm hoping they do the same thing here. Uh, I was just seeing stuff as we were recording. Odell kind of, which worries me. Him talking about being a little bit frustrated now and everything. This is exactly what we don't need? Is more drama? Just I hope they're able to put it all together because they're, I mean, after this, they got a buy and then the Patriots. So they're not winning, I don't think, against the Patriots. So they, they need this one this week.
1: Yep. Well, best of luck.
2: Thank you. I'm looking forward to talking to you on Monday. Have a good weekend. You too. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25 and Apple will go to the ground at the 32 and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back,
1: loads up, looks long, throws, end zone. Touchdown touchdown, Alabama! Devontae Smith! Touchdown Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain.
2: Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Coastal... Watson takes
0: a snap, rolls right. He looks to the end zone. Hunter in the cut. Touchdown!
2: Touchdown! Touchdown! With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history.
1: Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger and he's up to the races. Nobody will catch him.
2: Alright, but before I cut out of here, as Matt and Tony have left to go do other things, I'm going to talk about some of the college football games we have this weekend. We are going into week 7. I just want to touch on some big games really quick as I did not get to do a podcast on Wednesday to focus on the college football stuff and the Thursday night game. So obviously you got Notre Dame-USC. That should be a very good game. Notre Dame ranked number nine. You have uh, Kevin Slovis coming back out of his concussion. He'll be playing for USC. I don't know if that really helps them that much. I still think Notre Dame and their defense are going to be able to win this one. They are being given the 84% chance to win it and are being given 10.5 points. I am taking Notre Dame to win that game, but should be a good one on late Saturday night. Uh, Iowa Penn State, also late Saturday night should be a good game. Iowa big letdown game for me last week against Michigan Nate Stanley. I mean, I've been one of the guys right on that uh, that hype train kind of tooting the horn and, and, and getting all about uh, all about Nate Stanley.
0: Whoa! 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 He kind of like a, a
2: big choo-choo train and and he let me down big time. I, I'm I'm not off the hype train of him, but he, that was not a good game at all against Michigan. Uh, and I don't think he's going to get it done here against Penn State either. I think Penn State's going to keep on rolling to 6 and 0. Number 10 Penn State 17 Iowa State. Outside of those, though, obviously you have the other big game on Saturday night, which is crazy that all these games are starting on on Saturday night. A lot of good games. It's going to be hard to flip back and forth between these three just real quick. Notre Dame on NBC you've got um Penn State Iowa on ABC and then the big one on ESPN LSU Florida that is going to be a huge game here Big thing that's gonna be is this Florida defense against this LSU offense. I mean, Joe Burrow and these wide receivers, Chase and Jefferson, have been just phenomenal so far this season. Joe Burrow ha- has been like the, in my opinion, the lead Heisman candidate. I know some people have got Tua up there. I would put Burrow number one. They, they look like they're going to be serious championship contenders. They obviously have. Have to play Alabama. Um, Let's see here. When do they play Alabama in three weeks? I think two. Yeah, three weeks. They've got Auburn as well. uh, And they're likely going to have to play Georgia if Georgia goes undefeated in the SEC championship game again, assuming LSU beats everybody as well. They would have to beat Bama to get there. So it's going to, man, it's hard for me to pick this game. I'm taking LSU to win it. I do think Joe Burrow and those wide receivers are going to be able to get it done, but they are playing a tough defense. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, uh, kind of like that Auburn-Florida game was last week. Um, and, and that's really it. Uh, the, the next big one, I mean, you do have Wisconsin-Michigan State, but I'm not sure that's going to be that tough. I, I mean, I saw what J.K. Dobbins did against Michigan State last week. Jonathan Taylor, I think, is a smidge better than Dobbins. I think he's going to be just fine and running all over them, so give me Wisconsin in that one. Uh, um, Then you've got Alabama-Texas A&M in that early afternoon game with the Wisconsin-Michigan State game. Uh, a lot of people talking about how uh, they this might be a game I necessarily don't see it I don't think Kellen Mond is that good for the Aggies I mean maybe the Aggies stay in it for a quarter maybe up till halftime but I think Alabama eventually just easily pulls away with this one uh, I think they easily win by a couple touchdowns they uh, struggled a little bit 2 weeks ago um in week 5 I believe it was when they played Arkansas yeah I'm, no I'm sorry that was Texas A&M who who am I thinking of here? Ole Miss. They played Ole Miss. My bad, guys. Uh, they played Ole Miss. Now, they ended up winning that game 59-31, uh, but it was a, a closer game throughout most of it. Uh, I mean, they, they was uh, Alabama really kind of poured it on there in the second half, and then Ole Miss started coming back a little bit. They were up... Uh, forty. I'm sorry, thirty-eight to ten, and then Ole Miss kind of put seven fourteen together. They were they started getting closer, uh, but I, I feel like that defense probably got worked out a little bit more. I mean, obviously Nick Saban, phenomenal defensive coach. They had the bye week last week, did not play anybody, uh, so I do think that they probably worked on their defense. I think they're going to come out a little bit stronger in this one. Texas A and just don't. I don't see Texas AM and being able to stick with them, although some do. Then, obviously, the big game, early afternoon, the one everybody's going to be tuning into, the Red River Rivalry, Texas-Oklahoma. Oklahoma coming in at number six with Jalen Hurts, a guy who, who is up there as well as a Heisman candidate, uh, improving his draft stock with the way he's been playing. C.D. Lamb on the outside with uh, Rambo as well. These guys have looked phenomenal, but you cannot forget about what Texas has been doing. And then... I know a lot of UT fans and everything, and they're I don't they're a little bit hyped for this game. I don't know if they think they can win it. Sam Ellinger has been awesome. I think Avante Ingram has been decent, not as good as I had hoped. You have Duvernay, who has been really good at wide receiver, which I was not expecting. I was expecting Colin Johnson to be huge for this team. It's really been Duvernay who has stepped up here, the senior wide receiver for them. Oklahoma being given the 79% chance to win this game, and they are. Let's see here where where are we at? They are 10.5 favorites in this one. I think it's going to be big. It's gonna be a really good game and I think it could come down a lot to last year. I think it was yeah, last year for Texas and Oklahoma where both defenses were kind of getting beat pretty much by the offenses the entire game, but Texas got that one stop, got the ball at the end of the game, drove down the field, kicked, I think it was like a 50-plus yard field goal, if I remember correctly, to win that game. Obviously, they lost in the Big 12 championship. I really think Texas is going to pull it off. I like their defense just a little bit more than Oklahoma's. I think they get that key stop. I trust Sam Ellinger. I do think he's a little bit overrated and overshined being in the same conference as Jalen Hurts. I think they're going to be able to find a way to get that one big stop. That offense is going to keep on rolling. They're going to do just enough score at the end of the game and pull off the big upset here, moving to being tied with Oklahoma, giving both a loss in the Big 12 and, and putting you right back in the same kind of situation they were last year. Texas and Oklahoma both being 5-1, and one, looking to probably try and, and play out the rest of the season undefeated and meet again in the Big 12 championship game. That's it, really. I mean, a game I'll be looking forward to watching late on FS1 Oregon-Colorado, just to see a little bit of LaVisca Chennault and my guy Justin Herbert with Oregon, but I don't think that'll be much of a game. I also would like to see uh, a little bit more of Jacob Breeland, the tight end from Oregon. He's one of my top tight ends coming out in this class, but but that'll do it right there for our college uh, football preview. I'll make sure to be back next week on Wednesday, and we'll do one for Week 8. We've got a couple of interesting games on the docket for Week 8, but we're getting closer and closer. Closer to the end of the college football season, and we've got a ton of really good games coming up here in the next couple weeks. You got Ohio State, Wisconsin. I think Ohio State plays Penn State in a couple weeks as well. You're going to obviously have Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn in the Iron Bowl. I mean, Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, it's just ridiculous how many good games we have coming down the pipe here. Iowa, Wisconsin it's going to be ridiculous guys. I'm telling you right now. So I'm, I'm looking forward to breaking some of those down. And as we get closer and closer as well, I'll continue to talk about my top draft prospects for this, uh, this upcoming class, but before we obviously get to the off season, where we'll do a whole lot of talk and breakdown on each of them, just to give you guys an idea of who to continue to watch on Saturdays. If you guys are watching college football. So thank you guys so much for sticking with me through the whole podcast. Uh, I appreciate it. If you guys left, no, well, obviously if you left earlier and not hearing this, so I guess it doesn't matter, but if you are still here, thank you so much. Uh, Please, if you guys get a minute, rate and review the podcast. It really helps me out. It uh, really means a lot to me if you guys do that. Uh, it just it means a lot. And then shoot me a shoot me a, a DM of your, your rate or review, and I'll get you entered in a jersey contest. Hoping to do one here in the next couple weeks. I had a lot of stuff going on, so I haven't had a chance to, to get one. I already have the jersey. Just having had time to put it up on Twitter and get some more entries and all that stuff situated. I want to make sure that everybody that has been in before stays in there because we obviously had the one win winner already uh, so she has been removed from the poll but just want to make sure all that stuff is good to go so again thank you guys so much for listening rate and review when you guys have time and have yourselves a great football weekend I look forward uh, to, to watching the games and I hope you guys do I hope the fantasy gods bless you with many wins this weekend prepare for glory do know if you got your pop on do you got your on I came
0: out the room I'm ready. For an unbelievable
2: touchdown! I would be honored if you played football for this team. Going up above his head. They can't jump. Late, God, late! Only oh, they tackle at the 40 Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs>